It's good to open up the Word of God together this morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. The question that we are exploring today is, what does the Lord require of you, Chelton? What does that mean for you? Today and next Sunday, we are diving into Micah chapter 6, and we will explore our theme verse for our series, What Does the Lord Require of You to Act Justly and to Love Mercy and to Walk Humbly with Our God? As concrete as it can be, God specifically gave this charge. Also, it can be very abstract because for me to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, and for you to act justly, love mercy, it can all look different. It can manifest in thousand different directions in your own sphere of influence. So what does the Lord require of you and how does that look like in your life today? For me, I actually think about this question a lot in my own life. When I cannot sleep at night, God, what do you want me? How can I live my this short and brief life for the glory of you What does it mean for me to really live my life as you have required of me? Tara Shevchenko is a Ukrainian poet, a serf. Uh, You can think of more like American slavery, but it's different. Serf is more owned by the land, belongs to the land. Um, He wrote this poem in 1859 as the Tsarist Russia Empire tried to wipe out Ukrainian language back then. For him, what does the Lord require of him? For him, it was to grieve and lament. He didn't write the poem that I'm about to read so that 200 years later, this poem will be remembered, so that this poem will go viral. No, as he grieved and lamented over his own situation that lasted for a long time, this is way of his expression. God, you are having me to write this out, for I am grieving, for I am lamenting. This is what it says. Dear God, calamity again. It was so peaceful, so serene. We but began to break the chains that bind our folk in slavery. When halt again the people's blood is streaming, like a rapacious dogs about a bone, the royal thug are at each other's throat again. To him, in his grief, in his sorrow, what the Lord required of him, he expressed in his poem. Unfortunately, Just about, in a sense, I think almost seven days before actually emancipation was announced, he passed. But his poem and his legacy is remembered to this day. Perhaps if he were to still alive in this nowadays, he might have written another poem, whatever it looks like. So today, we will explore how do we discern what does the Lord require of me in my own life? What does it look like for me to actually love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And in our passage today, we will take a look at while the Lord was requiring Israelite to do this, they did not. What the Lord required of them, Israelites abandoned their mission. 
And we will take a look at what is taking place here. And through that, I pray that we will carefully examine our own heart. God, what do you have me to do and to be this morning? May the Lord bless our time together. What hinders us from listening and really remembering God is listed in this chapter. Three things that what God is commanding us in order to really discern what the Lord is requiring of us. First, we need to really listen to him. Second, we need to remember. And third, we need to worship holistically. In order to really discern what the Lord is requiring of us, to really know what true justice looks like in my own sphere of influence, to know what it means to extend that mercy, to really live a life that is filled with humility, you need to listen and to remember and to worship holistically. So first, listen, verse 1 and 2. See how Micah begins this section. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills share what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. We will walk through first half of chapter 6 this week, and next week we'll cover the second half. But here in this section, Micah begins by saying, Listen. This is, in a sense, Micah begins his third cycle of God's warning and judgment. Every time that Micah says, listen, which happened in the first chapter, verse 2, then God goes on listing all kinds of sins that Israelites have committed. They put their hope in their beauty, the town named beauty. If only I am beautiful, I'll be okay. No, you will be naked and ashamed as the Syrian kingdom will come and conquest. Your beauty is not enough to save you. There is this certain town named Conqueror Power. If you think your power is enough to save you, you'll always feel weak, and there will be always a stronger one. The greater conqueror will sweep away. Your power, your wit, your smartness is not enough to save you. So first, God extended chapter 1 and verse to listen and God goes on listing. And second cycle of the, after God gives them warning, at the end of chapter 2, there's a glimpse of hope. And the second cycle of the listen began chapter 3, verse 1. God says, listen, you political leaders and religious leaders of Israelite, you're economically oppressing all your people. There's great injustices that began the second warning and judgment of God. They marched on, and we saw last week, chapter 5. And out of Bethlehem, the ruler will come. Our hope will come. So chapter 1, sin and judgment, and hope begins to emerge. Chapter 3, sin and judgment, hope begins to emerge later. In chapter 6, God still has to say one more time, listen, you are not listening. This time, this is a legal proceeding. God is taking Israelite to the courtroom. And he's summoning up his creation as a jury. Hey, creation, mountain, personified mountain, earth, witness what I have case against Israelite. Children, you do not want our God to be the judge and prosecutor. But because Israelites just kept refusing to listen, here God is raising the stake. All creation, mountain, and earth, witness my case against Israel. These people are not listening. 
how in the world did Israelite have come to this point? Uh, this is nothing new, church. Even after God's judgment of exile in Babylonian kingdom, even the book of Judges comes, still Israelites do not listen. They just go about doing their own thing. 2,700 years later, we are not listening. We just go about doing our own thing. The same message over and over. If God is true almighty God, if God is that powerful, shouldn't we beg him to speak? God, I am hanging upon every single word. But here, God is screaming out loud, listen, Jin, you are not listening. If you really believe that God is who he claims to be, then it should be us. God, please speak. I am hanging upon every word of you. But we are just not listening. Why are we not listening today, Shelton? This message is not just for Israelites, for us. Here, God had to raise his state, creation. Listen, I have case against my people. They are not listening. These days, I think one of the things that hinders us truly from listening to God is that we listen to us. We love listening to ourselves, right? We ruminate over desires of our heart. Man, I really want this. I want that. Rather than hearing the objective voice of God, what does culture around us and what do our flesh desire always say? Don't even care about what others say about you. It's all about what you believe inside of you. Listen to your voice inner inside. It's not, don't just look at the culture. We do the same. We Christians do the same. We just baptize it with a holy language. Oh, I am praying about it. Oftentimes that means I'm worrying about it 10 hours and praying about it 10 minutes. We love to listen to ourselves in our murmurs of our heart more than listening to God. Sometimes our ruminating, this consuming desire so becomes great that even when we hear from God, we only hear from him selectively. We only want our confirmation bias to be matched. It doesn't really matter, actually, love, mercy. Oh, God will make me prosperous. God will make me joyful. That's what I want to hear. It doesn't matter what else in my life. Oh, God will make me what I want. We are so good at justifying and listening to ourselves. But here God is saying, will you listen to me? I am taking you to the courtroom. But they just refuse to listen. Another reason that I think now, let me just do some housekeeping here. Believers of God, I am specifically speaking to you, especially those of you who have walked with the Lord for a long time. Another reason that we don't listen to God is that sometimes you only listen to the facts about God. We only listen to the information about God as if gathering one more knowledge will transform your life. Sometimes I do the same thing. If only I gather one more information about him, I'll be somebody. It's a job hazard, I tell you what. Do I get work comp for that? <laughs> the other day, I was chatting with my friend, and we were just sharing lives together, and we were sharing some prayer requests. So I don't know why this came out. I guess sometimes delivering sermon on a regular basis kind of caused a little burden within me. So when... Ask, hey, Jen, how can I pray for you? I said something like, it just casually slipped out of my mind. Hey, pray that I'll grow in the knowledge of the Lord so then I can prepare a sermon a little bit easily. It doesn't come too burdensome and et cetera, et cetera. Friend of mine just paused just one second and then responded by saying, no, nah, you don't really need to grow in the knowledge of God. You need to grow in the love of God. 
And I'm like, ouch. First of all, you don't speak to a pastor like that. <laughs> no, actually, I was really humbled by that. I was just so grateful. I'm thinking, man, if I can gather one more fact, one more information about God, if I only listen to the knowledge of God, I'll be somebody. As if information is all I need. Therefore, I listen to the facts about God, but I don't listen to God often. What friend of mine was challenging is, Jin, you need to experience what you're praying about. You really need to fall in deeper love with him rather than just treating him as another homework that you must do to fulfill your job on Sunday morning. That humbled me. I just wanted to hide in the corner. So may we never be a professional Christian who we just gather the knowledge of the Lord as if, if I can gather one more knowledge without really experiencing him, that will make me a mature Christian. When my knowledge of the Lord exceeds my love of the Lord, I'll fall in spiritual arrogance. May your knowledge nor my knowledge never exceed our love of the Lord. Do you really experience him? Do you really listen to him or only hear about him? You get content by, oh, that's so cool facts. I didn't know that. That's it. doesn't really matter. What the Lord is requiring of me is to hoard all this information. He doesn't really require me. We only selectively worship God and listen to him without really what it means to live out true justice, true mercy, what he is requiring of, requiring of us. So what are you listening today, Chilton? Why is it so hard for you to really listen to God that 2,700 years later, God is just screaming out, creation, listen, my people are not listening. Sometimes our hearts are so busy with our own ambition and obsession of our heart. Oh, I get so obsessed with my desire, Chelton. I am king of a hypothetical scenario in my mind. If this happens, that will happen. If that happens, God will provide this and that. Da 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 da. And I obsess and create a bunch of hypothetical situations in my life. But do you and I realize that God does not provide hypothetical grace to your hypothetical situation? <laughs> God doesn't. He provides real grace in your real-life situation. But rather than really listening to God as you live out your life in obedience, we constantly listen to ourselves. Oh, God, I need this. Sometimes we pray about it, but more and more I pray about it, more I get obsessed about it because even my petitionary prayer is filled with my worries and listening to my own heart rather than truly worshiping God. What are you listening to, Dijon? In order for you to really discern what the Lord is requiring of you, you need to listen to Him. Not just listening to yourself or listening to the facts about God only without truly experiencing that. So here at first, the Lord is calling Israelite and all of us to listen to discern what the Lord is requiring of us. Second thing that God tells us what to do here is to remember. See verse 3 and 5. As I said before, this is court setting. God has case against Israel. But notice his language. His language isn't quite court-ish, if I can call it that way. Let me just read it to you. When I initially read it, this more feels like a love letter, appeal. You're not listening. I love you. Just listen to this. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened to you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Bala king of Moab plotted 
And what Balaam's son of Bear answered, Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. So this is different from what Micah has done thus far. When you remember chapter 1, like God says, listen, and God goes by listing dirty laundry of Israelite sin. You have idolatrous desire based on all this town's name. Chapter 3, when God says, listen, God goes on listing a bunch of injustices these people committed. But this time, chapter 6, God says, listen, rather than listing all the dirty laundry of sin this time, listen, do you know how much I love you? When you're at your worst, I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. When the enemies meant evil against you, I brought you out of that. When Balak the king wanted this false prophet Baal to testify and curse the Israelite, I am the one who even used that donkey to change Balaam's heart to pronounce only blessings three times to you. Even when the enemies meant absolute worst, even when the critics surround you, even when the circumstances are falling apart, I have loved you, I have redeemed you. Don't you know? One commentator puts it this way. In verses 4 and 5, he looks them in the eye, grabs them by the collar, and says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll show to you a love that is far more resilient, far more stubborn, even than you are. I will melt and unlock your vaulted hearts with a hesed love that burns more brightly and hotly than any love you've ever known. Even in the middle of God prosecuting, standing as a judge, God is still telling them, I love you, I care for you. Don't you know my said this loving kindness love is to lead you to repentance? Remember how I brought you through? When God brings Israel through, he dries up Red Sea, he dries up Jordan, and after they cross, God commands this 12 tribe to set up a memorial stone so that those descendants can look back and say, oh, wow. God, in my worst circumstances, you have been good to me. In my sorrow, you really have been good to me. When I thought I just couldn't make it, you loved me. Even when I was falling away from you, God, you still loved me enough to bring me back. You are asking me to remember. Children, why is it so hard for us to remember the goodness of the Lord? We live in a day and age of innovation, not remembrance. In the culture that we are surrounded by, anything of past is considered archaic, done away, and old. And we are constantly just asked to look forward to figure out the future. That's innovation. That's coolness. Anything of the past, we just done away. And we forget to remember the goodness of the Lord. As a result, what? We constantly only worry about future uncertainty. I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure that out. Completely forgetting how God has redeemed you through and through in your life. When my heart panicked, oh, I completely forgot about how He has been good to me all the time. Uh, those people who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, could you just take time to remember how He has redeemed you, how He has saved you from darkness to light? Do you remember that lightheartedness, the joy that filled your heart? How you're so excited about God? Oh, I do remember as I was preparing this sermon, I remember, especially in 
Shelton, I'm sorry to tell you, when I was a, well, not that I'm all sanctified. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was a very temper-driven man in my youth. I was so angry. I got in so many fists to fight. It's not even funny. Uh, yeah, it was bad. One day, I mean, after I tangibly experienced the grace of the Lord, I was, I was, I remember, specifically remember this one incident, even I got redeemed a little bit before, seventh grade, I was in a hallway middle school, this person just tripped me out, I'm walking, I fell flat on my face, if it was prison, oh, fist is swinging right at his face, but I don't know why, I was such a temper and angry man, but I don't know why, I just smiled, and I'm like, eh, no big deal, I just smiled and just walked away, and I'm, I'm walking amazed at myself, wow, I am not like that, I would have gotten a fight right there at the moment. Somehow I'm different. I guess my nonchalant respond kind of shocked him too. He just came and put his arm around me. Hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. We became friends after that. <laughs> when I remember how God has changed me, when I think I couldn't change myself, when I was absolutely hopeless, when I thought, God, there's nothing I can do anymore, I get so worried about many things because I'm constantly trying to figure out future. I never get to remember past goodness of the Lord, how he has redeemed me. Shelton, will you take time to remember the goodness of the Lord? When you don't take time to remember how he has loved you, all you remember is your worries. Oh, just one more story. The other day I was chatting with a friend of mine. A friend of mine also told me, you're very open and vulnerable sharing a lot of big and hard stuff in your life, which I appreciate. But you don't really tell me daily, Joey, just small things. Why is that? And I thought about it. Yeah, you're right. I tend to share a lot of big stuff, what is difficult in my life, but I don't really share a lot of little joys of my life. Why is that? I kind of realized later because all I think about is what I worry about. All the joys, I'm okay, thank you, God. I don't even take time to remember the goodness of the Lord and I'm just obsessed over all my worries, things I need to figure out. As a result, what? I am paralyzed with fear. Always worried. Rather than remembering your worries, Chun, will you take time to remember? That's what God is doing. Remember, Israelite, I brought you out of your slavery. I delivered you from the Balak. I led you through thick and thin. Will you listen to me? Will you remember my goodness that is in your life that is evident? What are you listening and what are you remembering today, children? When all you listen to is your, your own fears and your ambition, when all you remember is your worries, uncertain future, you'll never be able to figure out what the Lord is requiring of you. You will begin to realize what you want. Oh, this is what I want. Only your fleshly desire. But in order for you to really understand what the Lord is requiring of you to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, let us be the listening people of God, not just listening facts about it. What good is this sermon that we walk away thinking, oh, that was another cool information about God? No, listen to the small voice that the Lord is speaking to your heart and remember the goodness of the Lord that will begin to shape. As you listen and remember him, you begin to realize what the Lord is requiring of you. Lastly, third, Worship holistically. How you discern what the Lord is requiring of you? First and foremost, we must be the people of God who worships holistically. Read verse 6 through 8. Here, here's a little sarcastic voice of Micah happening here. Listen to what it says here. 
Wait, what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with a burnt offering, with the calves and year old? Will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams, with the ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He had shown you, O mortal, what is good already. What Micah is presenting here is actually quite controversial because in the end, the single most important thing in the life of Jewish, this Israelite, is worship. And Micah here is talking about worship. But Micah is saying, hey, what good is for you to worship selectively? What good is it for you to offer thousand rams? What good is it for you with thousand olive oil if you worship only selectively, but you do not offer your whole life to God? What good is it if you only try to pay and measure up to what God has done. You cannot pay God. Jesus paid it all. You are not the one who is paying this. But we are trying to just measure up by paying God. I have a thousand rams for you. I am doing all these good deeds for you. So it doesn't matter rest of my week whether I applied this what. I came to church on Sunday morning. I offered my thousand rams. I gave my tithe. So don't touch rest of my life. What the Lord is requiring of you is not the price that you must pay. Jesus paid it. What the Lord is requiring of you is your everything. Worship holistically. Don't just offer a thousand rams and olive oil and firstborn. What good is it? God has already shown us, all mortals, what is good. And he's calling us to give our everything. Acting justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly is not just simply a checklist so then we can go about to other things. It's your daily life. May your individual worship flow from this corporate worship. What good is it? You worship on Sunday morning and you go home, live your life however you want it. God, I showed up in church. No, it's everything of you that God is requiring today. Chilton, what does this look like for you in your life? Rather than feeling like you must pay to God to measure up all the things that God has done here today, God is calling us, hey, listen, Jen, you are not listening to me. You love listening to the facts about me. You love listening to yourself, your unfulfilled desire. But do you really listen to me, how I've revealed myself in my word? Do you really have a relationship with him in prayer, daily life? Jen, why do you remember so much about your worries? Why do you obsess over it, completely forgetting the goodness of the Lord, showing in the past how God has led Israelites out of Egypt, how God has led them from Gilgal to Shittim, all these places God has led us through thick and thin, Shittim to Gilgal. But we are not just remembering him because we are just remembering ourselves. So today... Will you predetermine yourself? One of the great ways, Charlton, to less obsess about yourself is to talk to another image of God. Ask your friend how they are doing. That will kind of begin to detach yourself. Unfortunately, 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 you get to live with yourself 24-7. You cannot divorce yourself. I, am, I live with the gym 24-7. I'm here. So one of the great ways to forget about yourself is just care for others, extend them mercy and love to one another. If they happen, that image of God happened to know Jesus Christ as their Savior too, they'll begin to share their lives. 
and you'll get to share the goodness of the Lord together in your life. That's one very tangible way that you can forget about your obsessive desire. Another way to do that today, will you predetermine yourself to think of yourself a bit less? True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. But often, all we think about is us. That's called pride. That's called self-centeredness. But really, true humility is not thinking anything insecurity, not thinking of thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. What does true justice mean to you? Yes, we can pray for vindication. God punished the wicked, all the terrible things happening in the world. But there is not only the retributive justice, but restorative justice, caring for the poor, caring for the marginalized, caring for the needy, caring for your friends who are hurting today. Simple asking how are you will go a long way. Love mercy. Are you extending yourself? Do you show the loving kindness, the hesed love of God to one another today? If you just don't know where to begin, I pray that we listen to God today. Really let ourselves down. Chilton, our God is greater than the storm in your teacup. Our God can calm the cosmic storm of your life. So leave beyond your teacup of a storm and look to God and listen to him what he has to say. And if you just panic each day, remember how he has saved you, how he has redeemed you, and just think about your last big trial. You think you couldn't make it, right? You, this was horrible, God. I just didn't think I made it. But you are here. The fact that you are here today, that God has brought you through. If you're in the middle of this storm right now, you just don't know what to do, will you take time to chew on the goodness of the Lord, how he has redeemed you day by day? God will not waste an ounce of suffering. As you remember the goodness of the Lord, he will take it and use it according to his glory. What does the Lord require of you today, Chelton? Will you bow your head? Today, rather than me just closing my time in prayer, I want us to reflect together as you take time to partake in communion together. Today, God is calling us to listen and remember and that leads to holistic worship. Why, Chelton, will you examine in silence? Why is it so hard for you to listen to God and remember the works of God while it is so easy for all of us to remember the worries of our lives? Will you take time to examine your heart? Even though we have failed him, he has given his son for us because of his has said loving kindness, mercy that leads to repentance. So in your prayer, as you examine your heart, will you repent and also give thanks for his loving kindness? Will you remember the goodness of the Lord? Let's pray in silence for a few minutes, and then I'll preside over the table. Let's pray. Oh God, what are you requiring of us today? What does it mean for me to act justly? Perhaps if the Ukrainian poet was alive today, he will write another poem before you in lamenting grief. What does it mean in my workplace to truly fulfill what you are requiring of us? God, there are so many, so simple things that you required of us. We can often cannot discern that because our 
minds are so filled with our own voices of our fleshly desire. Your small voice gets muted away by a loud, noise desire at the surface of my heart. So God, we repent today because we forgot your loving goodness, because we didn't take time to remember. As a result, we more worry, we remember our worries only. Yet God, we thank you at the same time so much that your pursuing love never failed. Even in this terrible courtroom, terrifying courtroom, you are appealing with the love. Remember my goodness. So God, as we are about to take and taste what Jesus Christ you have done on the cross, help us to begin right there. Help us to sit at the foot of the cross today to know, to discern what you are requiring of us. Help us to not move as if this is another to-do list, but help us to move out of abundant gratefulness, abundant humility knowing what Christ has done for us. May that lead to not just information, but true transformation. So God, we know you are here already, but we invite you to come once again as you partake in your table. Move our hearts as we taste the goodness of you. In your name we pray, amen.